I left the metronome on. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. That's a good start. They won't hear the clicking. That's just for our... What if we just had like a really in... We just needed the timing. This garage band that we're recording on has a... Metronome function. We should speak to the beat. We should speak to the beat. Yeah, we should... Speak to the beat. Like beat poetry? And then I bombed at the open mic. <laughs> we're trying to freestyle that one, but we couldn't. Hello, hi, we are back. Uh, this is episode two of She Does Stand Up 2 with Matthew Broussard and Laura Sogar. We are excited to be back. We've had some some travels and some experiences. Laura is uh, is a few weeks older as a stand-up comedian and as a human being. Closer to death. Closer to death. We're all marching that good march. And uh, Laura's learned some things about comedy. And uh, I've learned fewer things. I've learned... Well, I bombed my... I only had one set last night on a Saturday night. And I I kind of bombed. So I just... I'm not as confident or as whimsical as as I... Or or full of wisdom as I normally am. You're going to see that my entire uh, self-esteem is is rested solely upon my last set. I would love to hear more about bombing eight to nine years in and like how long does it take you to recover from that it's faster but i only had one set last night so like yeah if i if i do three sets and the third one i bomb i can i can wipe that i can i can dust off my shoulders but it was one set and i and also it it was it was a show where i couldn't you couldn't really go in while it wasn't your set so i have no idea if i just ate ate a big one yeah i didn't know how anyone else did so it was just like, did everyone? And of course, everyone's like, yeah, they were great because no one's going to say it was a bad show. And, and and if the host happens to be listening, I do think it was my fault. I started I started sure a little looser than I should have. It probably was. <laughs> so you ever have that where you start a little looser than when you should have and the whole set goes poorly? I'm like, well, if I had tried up top, would I still have bombed? I just want to know if I had like, was it How because I made a mistake? Trying up top? So just to me, that's such a foreign, I guess when I'm up Not there trying, still, yeah. When I'm up there still, it's like, hundred percent trying effort every time. <laughs> I'm only recently in that mindset of uh, I could have given it more, yeah. and that's more of like there's you. I go through experience like it's it's pretty minor, but like tonight I want to keep it looser. I want to any any impulse I have, I want to try to follow it. I want to not be so stuck in my material, and that's me. I would say trying to explore more, and I'm obviously not going to have as good a sets out of that. Sometimes I can catch lightning in a bottle and make that into something really real and honest, but a lot of times. Um, it's just me kind of dicking around and trying to feel loose and feel something new. Um, if I'm doing a, an important showcase set, I know every word I'm going to say. Right, or like a late night or something. Right, and it's or Estes in the room. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I think, I don't think I've ever said the joke, maybe, again, so I've only been doing comedy, if you didn't hear episode one, for... Seven months, let's say. Eight, eight months, whatever. Um, little over half a year. And... I don't think I've done a joke the same exact way. You have not. Though, I got to see you in Vancouver when, when I got to see you do like five sets in three days. I was seeing that once you found a wording that got a big laugh, you kind of locked in on that wording and performance, right. which was really neat. Logical. Yeah. Logical. Well, <laughs> you'd be surprised how many yeah. people don't understand. That's one of the simplest things to figure out. It will guide you towards most of your good jokes if right. you just listen to the crowd. I guess I've been thinking about when you see comedy online where people put the um, subtitles. Yeah, like the closed captions on it. Mm-hmm. 
it's obviously extremely scripted. I mean, they're, right. they're airtight. And I guess if you're going through the process of actually having it filmed and stuff, you might as well. Well, I did, so in, in December, in early December, I filmed a set for Comedy Central that they're putting on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I was luckily very familiar with the material, so I didn't have to worry too much about like wording or performance because I knew the jokes really well. Uh, but I was very, in my head, focused on uh, getting the words out clear. And I was thinking right. about how they would transcribe as I was doing them. Oh, didn't you have that one, not to watch the set, because wasn't there, didn't you have to there, reference there was it at one point? a word, I make up a word in the performance, and it's a word that's very, I don't know how you would spell it, and then I, I, I <laughs> it's think... It's not a real I, word, right? It's not a real word, though who knows, with, the, like, maybe in the Trump campaign they already have that, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if the, <laughs> I don't know if the, the, the Jewish Trump community enjoys puns enough to do that but yeah it was a word i i I made fun of pun go ahead and check out this clip to figure out yeah this is a good teaser they're like what the fuck is he talking about (laughs) uh but yeah it was i i in the joke i made fun of the subtitle guy who who would have to spell it i hope they keep that part in that was funny to me one of the subtitle guys was like nah just does all stars they're like did he say (laughs) yeah (laughs) all star yeah it's just it's yiddish it's that's all I'm going to say. It's Yiddish. Cool. Cool. And you... Yeah, so definitely... Um, well, I travel a lot for work, so that's part of the reason I've been able to go to a number of states to do comedy in, which has been cool. I've gotten been able to experience some of the difference between New York and other regions' open mics. And would you say there's a difference? I would say, just like some states are similar and some states are different, so are open mics different sometimes. Yeah, but the, I would say the crowds have been better... Everywhere you go outside of New York City, is that fair? Not not a hundred percent, but mostly yes. And I mean, so I guess I didn't really realize I started comedy here in New York, and um, you didn't people, realize that. I didn't realize. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> He's a jerk. Um, but I didn't realize that normal people watch open mics in other cities. Yeah. Which I was like, why? <laughs> well, you were saying you feel bad for people who have to come from a scene that's not New York or LA, LA to LA. That blew my mind. I didn't realize until I moved to LA. of like, there's no one at an open mic who's comics. not a comic. And then when you go to Dallas or Vancouver or Seattle, Seattle there's the most people striking. who paid five bucks to get in and go with their friends. Yeah. And like, oh, story though. Okay, yeah. I, I will say there's one exception. Uh, this week I went to a New York City open mic. And New York City open mics do not have crowd members in them. Like, if you have three crowd members in a New York City open mic, you're like, whoa, it's going to be a good night tonight. The room uh, was about two-thirds full. I would say 40 of the audience members, 30, 30 to 40 of the audience members were a construction crew oh who had just come and sat in this open mic room to eat cheap pizza and drink. Oh. It was the worst pizza in New York. It's like one dollar pizza. It was free. Oh. It was if you went and bought a drink, you got a you get a ticket to oh, go on stage, and they yeah. give you free free pizza, and it's worth every cent. And the crowd was, boy, that was one of the roughest crowds I've ever performed for. They were answering phone calls and like yeah. talking to each other, <laughs> and the, yeah, I just. I, I, it made me realize how bad of a comic I am because the first thing I did was start aiming my jokes at the comics and trying to play real back of the room with my like new age pronouns jokes. And then Ashton Womack, a good friend of ours, goes up after me and just like connects with them on a human level. He was like, you look like most of you are named Hector. <laughs> he, was, he was just, he killed, 
it's not killing, but like for, for what you could get out of that room, uh, you know, not being Sebastian Maniscalco, that was about the best you could do. So rare exceptions to uh, to uh, crowds being crew yeah, way worse. Rise. I would have much rather a room full of comics than in Brooklyn than too? in Brooklyn and so off the L. So maybe even uh, Bushwick. Oh, maybe there's coming up from the L. Yeah, construction on it. Yes, sorry, but that that was the exception. But you you did not experience crowds no, like that. I would have loved to perform for that construction crew here, um, but instead, no. So in Seattle, when we went to that one, it was probably I'm bad at judging crowds, but like a hundred people, maybe a hundred. Yeah, yeah, I, but half were comics because there were about forty comics yeah. on the show. Everyone in that main area, I think, was not a comic. Yeah. So anyway, it was really fun. It was really, really great. Um, turns out that non-comics laugh a lot more than comics. Right. And also, Seattle comics laugh a lot more than yeah, New York comics. They because great. They were so fun. They're happy to be there. They're, mm-hmm. they're pretty sure they're not going to bomb. Yes. Yes. And how would you say the comedy was compared to a New York open mic? The, it was... T- how were the comics? Um, the comics were great. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people. We all did three minutes, so some were newer, some were, you know, had jokes, and someone, some didn't. But um, I think that I, another thing I noticed, so this is kind of pivoting over to when we were in Atlanta, uh, New York, they pretty much tolerate, well, I have some jokes about pedophiles, which, as you can imagine, is a little weird coming from me. Mm-hmm. And um, I could tell the Atlanta crowd was did not know what to make of that. Is that versus it? New York? They're like, this is totally fine. Like the, nothing surprises a New Yorker anymore. Well, uh, uh, the, is is it fair to say that might be a little apples to oranges because you're comparing Atlanta crowds to New York open mics, or I don't think so. I would say there's a little more backbone. People. What's that? I consider non-comics real people. Usually. Yeah, but they were, but they were. You got to deal with non-comics in Atlanta, but I guess you've done enough book shows in New York to have not faced blowback yeah no yeah. i mean it was definitely a more sensitive crowd which i just didn't anticipate from atlanta but i also didn't know what to do so i don't have a ton of jokes to go to so when they were clearly like a little uncomfortable with the pedophile stuff which isn't that extreme of a joke um it's a it, light pedophile joke it's a, light pedophile. It's a, it's a yeah, fun one yeah it's just a cute cutie i think just the word pedophile i wouldn't i i cannot find a single theme uh, a through line of Atlanta crowds. One of the things I like about Atlanta is that the crowds can be anything. They can be, they Maybe can they be just black, didn't like the jokes urban, whatever. They can be redneck, seem, hipster. It did seem like they were uh, uncomfortable. So that was about a month ago. We went to Atlanta together, and you did a uh, a spot on a, a weekend showcase, mm-hmm. and then you did a kind of an alt show at a kind of a I guess a bar. I think it was like an office space. Yeah, it was a weird space. It was like a it was like a WeWork kind of situation, like one of the WeWork lobbies, which is actually kind of weird. You're right. It was it was a peculiar. Situation. How did you feel about? It was well lit, which was I didn't. I guess that was one of the other things. I, yeah, it was very well very lit. well lit. And you were very close to the crowd. Yeah. Most of, so, what was your experience with Atlanta? How did you leave that weekend feeling? Um, honestly, I felt like I needed to write. I needed more experience. I needed to write a lot more, and just more time. Turns out, a half a year is not enough time. So you did good comedy. <laughs> I watched you. That was that was a turning point for you. I think I saw you have a little more 
uh, humility walking away from that. You felt like you, you I thought you did you very well. Are you saying that I'm a cocky person? No, not anymore. Yes. You you were before Atlanta. Well, I, and I still then, am. <laughs> that's fair. Yes, that is that is one of your personality traits. Mm-hmm. You you walked away from those those experiences feeling uh, kind of not up to the occasion, which was which was an interesting turning point for you from my outsider perspective. Is that fair? Did yeah, I just start I mean, a fight? Oh, well, to be fair, so I guess it makes sense to explain why I was able to do those steps yeah. in the first place. Um, and this is kind because of, of me. Kind because of Matthew. I mean, that's one of the things that's important to recognize. Like. I don't think I would have had that opportunity without you. Mm-hmm. It's part of the reason, like I n- met these people through you, X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, and in that case, I think I wasn't ready for that. This was for me one of the first experiences where I've felt like I kind of stuck out my neck for you, where I kind of felt not right. stuck out my to be neck, fair, but I step- did not ask you to do that. You did not. I feel like he this was the first to time do comedy while we were in Atlanta visiting his family. And felt bad if I. My family mean my mom, but yeah, that's all that's left, really. But oh my, God, so dark. <laughs> my dad died. Uh, <laughs> but this was this was one where we went together, and I I wanted to do one of the. Everyone talks about oh having a girlfriend who doing comedy that must be kind of rough that she's starting, but the really cool part for me is when we travel, I typically have to not do spots. Or in the past, you'd that's be angry not, if I. I, mean, I would... You would understand. I get to do a lot more now that we get to go and do shows together. I think you. Would you have let me do four out of five nights comedy in Vancouver if you hadn't been going up to? Oh, no. No, exactly. In Atlanta, we had two nights there. We went up one of the nights. Well, Atlanta was a shorter trip. I would have been... Two, yeah. Eh, I don't know. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty-twenty. Atlanta was it was a trip where I... This is where I, I, I put you on shows where they typically wouldn't book a comic who's only been doing comedy for six months, and I... Yeah, I, I, I vouched and they said yes because I have a good relationship with them. And, and that was an interesting thing to watch. It was, it was I didn't didn't suspect the repercussions of it would be maybe uh, bruising your ego the way it did. And I feel kind of bad, but I also have seen you uh, working harder now and more motivated since. And yeah, I, I mean, I was working, I feel like I was working hard before, but I guess it really put, it just taught a lot of lessons very quickly. I think you said the next time I'm on this stage, I don't want to have any doubts. Yeah. about being there and that's a yeah. that's a really healthy attitude very few first year comics have that kind of attitude of like I want it but I also want to make sure I earn it and I was I was very impressed by that and okay. um, well, that's sweet of you. I very much Either admired way, that I thought and I thought your sets were great you you were hard on yourself I thought you did fine I didn't like bomb I certainly bombed you did not you did not bomb um, but I just didn't kill Matthew yes. did I didn't kill either you did pretty well no, that was a rowdy crowd. That second show, I uh, no, on, oh, on neither show did I kill. But I did have that cool moment. Well, I had probably the the best crowd work I've ever had. With the yeah, with the, all the, the, <laughs> with your clones. Oh my god, there was what, a group of girls, seven girls at the show, and they are all just like basic white girls. Yuppies. Yuppie. I love them. Sorority. Yeah, they were so friendly and so so nice. Um, and I have a joke that just. Really the horse girl joke. The horse girl joke. Yeah, I heard a, a whole, a, a whole gaggle. Oh yeah, they like of gals that. screaming so that, about horse girls. That made me feel. Laura better. connected with the crowd. I know, and usually. <laughs> you also got your first groan. So that was the first time I saw you get a groan on that show. I think. Was that the pedophile joke? It must have been. I think it was. No, no, I'm sorry. Your first groan was in. Oh. So we did, we did Seattle. At the end of the month, we did one night in Seattle open mic. That was a show where we both got up and, and that I didn't. 
you showed you you would have gotten on the show without me as well. It was a three minute it spot in open it mic. It was an open mic, right? <laughs> but it was a very good open mic. But it was an open mic at the Comedy Underground. And then we went to Vancouver after New Year's. We we spent five days in Vancouver, and I think you did five spots. I did four. Yeah, over the course a of five days. Show. Right, and you opened with a joke about Canada. Yeah. That I elicited love, groans like shit. two out of five times. I love that joke. I don't care about it's it, it. Yeah, it's kind of in, it's it's could be misconstrued as insensitive towards women, and then no, we, it's not because I'm but, a woman. You can't do that joke, you, but I can. Offense is taken, not given. I, unfortunately, I'm paid. Just kidding. Actually, I'm paid fine. You're you're doing yeah. You're you're making well, a lot more than me, which I will so mention multiple times in the podcast. I, are we gonna like tell jokes? I don't. Want to tell? No, protect your material. Protect Young your comics, listen. Don't put your clips online as soon as the joke starts working. Wait two years because there's going to be tags. Two years. I like I like before I put a joke out. I like two years. I like one year for me. After about a year, and by a joke I mean like what becomes a three to five minute chunk of material. Usually after about one year, it's it's basically there. It's in working form and it gets all its laughs in the right places. And at the two year mark is probably when I've added all the tags, and after that, anything I add is probably not going to stick around. That's just a pattern I've seen emerge. Recently, I've been putting out jokes a little faster than that, just because opportunities have come around, but uh, I've seen comics... Gary Goldman spent like seven years on one of his late-night sets, and it's, it was the best late-night set of all time, so if that's any motivation to but take you, that time... Do you think you should really be you know, precious with what content you're posting on? I remember you got so pissed when we first started dating... I just, I was like, oh, Matthew's a comic. I'll, you know, go on YouTube and search Matthew Broussard comedy, not thinking anything of it. And there was one of your college showcases or something. Like, I think a NACA. It was a NACA showcase. This was a point in which I had one clip on the whole internet of my stand-up. About four years ago. So there was, yeah, that was the It was my Adam Vine's house party, so it was my only set online. And you were like, oh, yeah, I watched uh, this joke about blank. And I was like, how the fuck did you see that? I got, like, angry. Yeah, he was like, what did you do? How did you find it? And I was like, I literally, like, I'm not a good... This is when we were texting before we met. Yeah, we, like, barely knew each other. I was like, relax, buddy. I just searched Matthew Broussard comedy. Yeah, I... Pretty... That wasn't a great set, either. It wasn't... Like, the material was fine. it was funny. I remember not connecting with that. It was a NACA showcase, which is always a struggle. That's when you go up and you perform at a convention center that seats 12,000 people, but there's only 1,000 college, not college students, college bookers, after they just walked out of a seminar about rape and consent, and they go straight to a comedy show, and then you have to connect with people who have never paid rent before. I like that Pokemon joke, though. The Pokemon joke was fine. Uh, No hate to NACA. Please keep booking me. At your conventions. Well, I mean, he, you can connect with a younger audience. But I, I, I'm pretty precious about my material, and there, there's been a shift in, in comedy right now. People rush maybe, to put it out. I mean, I know people are, I mean, obviously social media is such a big part of comedy mm-hmm. career development. So do you think maybe it'd be, what about a topical joke, for instance? Well, make sure it's shot well. I had, I had a comic, a, a peer of mine reach out, and he asked me my advice on posting clips, which is funny because I'm just not experienced at that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough half year or so started posting more clips. Well, because comedy central is, uh, has, has put me on this week at the cellar and they give me, those are, I mean, when a, when a network shoots your clips, you get, you get two or three cameras, you get lighting, you get makeup, you get all that. When you try to shoot a video yourself, it doesn't matter how good the joke is. If the video looks crappy, no one's going to watch it. You got to put subtitles. There's a lot that goes into it beyond just the performance and the joke writing when it comes to transferring something into film. That's why there's a film degree in film majors. It's a, it's a. It's not just one art form; it's a couple art forms on top of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stand up itself. So I'm I'm also about like really waiting for good production quality. So, but what if you don't have that? What if you don't have access to that? 
invest in. I mean, uh, my friend Neil Nando is a really funny guy who puts out really good clips consistently. Has has I not blowing up a spot. He he has a, a good camera and has someone who's helping him with the camera uh, to okay. get these clips. And he, he does it at the he, right club, which has you know maybe camera setups already. I mean, you're lucky in that. Not lucky if you've earned it, whatever. But um, you're on this week at the cellar and stuff like that, so you get to do topical jokes. Um, a little bit more consistently, but I'm thinking, Those, what if you come up with some sort of? I have a joke. It's I put out my Eddie Murphy bo- joke. Yeah, yeah. I had a joke about I looked like that girl from the Peloton commercial. Not terribly deep, but assuming, like, imagine that was a bit lar- larger of a bit. I'd want to put that up. What I would Is that do a with a bit like instinct? that. It's. You would want to put that up? Kind no. of. Well, because the thing is that, what if, like... There's Twitter for that you could do the written form of it on Twitter. I'm constantly posting topical jokes to, on Twitter. I need to look... Like, people need to see that, oh, shit. Well, I would do, and I, and, and I guess I haven't said this to you before, is if there is... If that is enough of a cultural phenomenon, that Peloton commercial, just, you can oh, you can gosh. reference that aloofly forever. If you, if you figure it out right, you don't specifically reference the commercial... You get to say, "I look like a girlfriend whose whose boyfriend buys her an exercise bike." Like you can you can find a place where that becomes like a line in another joke. Hmm. Is what I would do with that because I, I I just you never know when you find the place for it. It's it's not just a tag; it's a puzzle piece. It's the final, it's the it's the right. final, it, it's the keystone. I'm not good with words. That's my philosophy. Other people have gotten very, very far off of just letting it rip. But right. I'm fairly precious. I, I like to really polish. It might just be that I'm lazy and I hate writing. And the more I put out, the more I have to write. That's not true. You write a lot. Most of it bad. Prop you up on the... Okay, so I think you write well, but... Beginning of, beginning of January, we went to Vancouver together. How did you find those crowds? Because you got to do... Those yeah. were book shows. Yeah. Those were... Um, and I think book shows you could have you could have gotten on without me is what I, I kind of showed you about that. I just went on their Facebook page and said I was coming, said we were coming, and and people were gracious. You got to do an, a show I wasn't allowed on because yeah, it was an all lady lineup, which was um, that was a super fun show. Yeah, that was a great. I a really really loved the Vancouver vibe. Yeah, the crowds um, and the comics. Yeah, very smart. The the comics were fantastic. We met a lot of really cool people there too, um, and it was also fun because like. It's a smaller group, so we saw the same people a couple times throughout the weekend. Yes, we did. Yeah, so I can see it would be a tight-knit group. If you if you live in Canada and want to start comedy, Vancouver's a great place to start. Yeah. Well, there was, I mean, I guess apparently Toronto is super crowded. We got, like, the lowdown. Yeah, Toronto's their cities. L.A. Yeah. yeah Toronto's, when you make it in, in Toronto, then you move to L.A. Yeah. The Vancouver, it was when the Vancouver comics like, yeah, Vancouver comics never get JFL, we never get on but Canadian have, TV. Like, the JFL West or whatever? Okay. Yeah, they have, but they have JFL in a couple places. Oh, do they? Yeah, they, um, they, they have like there's like three or four JFLs. I was also fascinated by the fact I've never even considered like uh, Montreal, where mm-hmm. you can do like French comedy and make millions. What is the deal with that? It's because French Canadians, I think, are just so exclusionary. Or ex- is that it? I don't know. If that, I, does yeah. anyone know the answer to this? I think it's just such a niche market, and they just love. I don't. I think they're. They seem like French Canadians seem very hoity-toity from everything Canadians have told me, really? and they love Canadian. Like they love just you know speaking French. And when you walk into a store in, <laughs> in Mont- Montreal, they say bonjour. They're they're like legally required, and and there's a lot. I, I heard a rumor. This is unsubstantiated that a lot of uh, spread it. chain spread restaurant. It. Well, that's right. what we do. We spread it. 
um, a lot of chain restaurants do not operate in Montreal because they are legally required to have French signage, and it costs too oh. much money to get like a a Panera Bread menu and board rewritten in French. Surprising, I didn't see Au Bon Pain, which you know already has already has at least the thir- first three word covers. Uh, I have no idea if that's true, but let's just go with it. Is. I didn't see a lot of chain stores when I was there, and I asked someone, yeah. and I don't remember who it Montreal's is. Montreal's a very cool city. It would be fun to go up there at some point. Hate tweet me if I'm wrong. Please. At Monday Punday. Please do. We'll hear all about it. So we did Vancouver together. That was um, Vancouver was super fun. I really liked it. Seattle was super fun. Atlanta was fun, but I noticed that they didn't like my pedophile stuff. And then oh, and then I was just in San Francisco. Um, not with me. Not with you, which was kind of cool because I got to really feel like I was doing it all on my own. Because uh, I was. And I went to three open mics I on Friday D-E-P, night. Pizza. Three open mics on Friday night. Um, I met some very, very fun people there. I really, really liked the, the groups. And it was one of those situations where I met this um, guy at the first mic that I went to. It was really long, like four or five hour mic. It was a variety mic. So there was like, you know, poets and songs and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, there's a mic around the corner that you um, should come to. And then you can come back. Like you're far enough down on the list that you'll be able to do both possibly. So I got in a stranger's car and drove with him to the mic. And it was one of those very sobering moments where I was like, I mean, I totally was totally, he was very, very nice, like in all good. But I was like, in any other why, why do I consider comedy like a safe place for to do that kind of thing? Just get in the person I don't know's car. I don't know. You know, we we have a record of not being great. Not being... Oh, male, comics, male comics, not the safest reputation. I mean, better than like... It was super... Like, it was totally fine. And NFL players, but... Looking back, I they told my friends afterwards, and they were like, you did what? <laughs> like, what? Was he, um, was he just not threatening in that capacity, or just so sweet? Yeah, he was just a real dude, you know, like... Real ass knew, dude. He knew of you, like, you know, it was it. Well, then he must be awesome. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Three spots, was, all open mics. All open mics. Real um, crowds or comic crowds? Real crowds. Felicia came to the, the second one, had a great time, brought a date. They laughed, so that's a good thing. Because um, normally I would definitely discourage people from coming to watch an open mic, but in this case, you know, she, you know, they were finishing up the date and it was a. Uh, I told her low stakes, you know, just really try to lower your expectations, and she did, and it was fun. Were they sensitive? Did you predict the crowd being sensitive? Because I thought last they were going to be, and they were actually great. Like I had, um, they didn't tighten up on the pedophile jokes, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the The one thing that I will say is the last mic that I went back to, the one that was really really long, was that variety open mic, and by this time in the evening, it was. Like, most of the comics had gone earlier. I don't know, just the way it happened, I guess. And I'm watching a couple people before me, and it's, like, heartfelt poetry. And, like, songs. They had to... No covers were allowed. It was all original music that were, was good. They were really good. And then a girl went up before me, and she's wearing a cape, and she's talking about, like, her, you know, acceptance and stuff like that. And it was a very, like, moving kind of speech thing. And I was like... Oh my God, I'm going to get up here. It's like 11 p.m. Everyone is like so moody and like has been just kind of chilling with wine and like 
comfy. I would have I'm gonna loved... come up and just spew my stupid shit. Right. I would have loved for her to like walk past you going off stage, like follow that. <laughs> yeah, drop the mic. What's no, up because now? They were so like loving and kind, and I was like, you know, men and women. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do to adapt to those circumstances? Um, I had to. I don't know if this is like a, a lesson or what you're supposed to do in general, but I was like, I cannot get up here and just go straight into material. I right. have to address the fact of how damn weird this is. Of like, they are so talented and working so hard and have been here, and it's like such a non-comedy vibe right now and i'm gonna do jokes and i apologize kind of and you, that's so what you did is what uh is, is a good instinct and what i advise in those situations is you you have to address the awkwardness because you're, you're basically warming the crowd up to comedy you know by yourself your your yeah. own opener and you have to what i always always found i had to do it like variety shows or, or weird vibe shows is kind of deconstruct your act it can't be a word perfect. If you know the perfect wording on the joke, oh. you have to kind of break it down and, and seem like it's a little more improvised than it is. At, it. at the expense of like the the structure, you you will you will gain a more uh, authentic vibe, even if it's put on. Is that's what I like to do. That's what okay. I like learned at like the the poetry mics in Houston. Well, because I was so up top, I was like, you guys are artists and blah blah blah, and like you're so great, and like I'm gonna do my version of whatever now. And then afterwards, they were they were really nice. Like I didn't, the laughs were a little different, <laughs> which is fair. Yeah. But then I get off, and this like old man is like, "You're an artist too." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god, you're so nice." That's so funny. Thank you. It's also art being you're like. You're also an artist. I know. I was like, oh, I'm also. I don't know. I was like, just don't worry about it. This isn't for you. Uh, but, I think did, did I already do that on this podcast? Accidentally refer to comedy as art. I don't know if you have. I but think I did. He's very passionate about comedy as art. I don't. No, I. I don't think it is, but it's for a weird reason. Why? Nah. That's why we're here to talk about. I think that the the art functions closer to a science because stand up comedy. I'm sorry, science is is closer to a. I got that wrong again. Comedy is closer <laughs> to a science than an art because what we get that other artists don't is immediate and empirical feedback. And we get a chance oh, to go yeah. in and reconstruct it. I think a lot of what makes art really compelling is every decision was made on that person's own instinct. We get to focus group every word. Yeah, trial and error. Yeah, so it's more of, yeah, it's a hypothesis, when you have your adjust, conclusion. The problem is you don't really know what all the variables are. No, I mean, obviously you have to have some instinct and, and, and craft to find the optimal wording, but you get to try out. You're like such a nerd. Yeah, but I like that part. I think that's why I would have never done music. I would have never done theater. I would have never done visual art because I would have just gotten too lost in the, the choices. And I, I don't like trusting myself. I like, did I get like mathematical feedback that I can sit there with like a decibel reader? Well, shouldn't you like putting clips online then? So you'd be like, this many likes. No, I'm like, well, is there an optimum I have not achieved yet? Is what I think with every joke. I mean, like, am I going to think of a tag here? Or you can feel some structural flaws where you're like, ah, I need a laugh in these first 30 seconds that's bigger. So that's that's my, I'll probably say that again on this podcast, but that's why I think comedy is an art. How many years in did you start to think like that? Or was that out the gate? Not out the gate, but I don't know. Not not immediately. Maybe maybe after three years. Three years. Yeah. I'd love to, in the next episode, talk a little bit about why, how you write, like, how how you have 
written jokes when you, how you, <laughs> I can speak, how you wrote jokes when you first started and how you write jokes now. And if it's slightly better, <laughs> but not that much. But do you like a process? Wait, don't tell me now because I want you to think about it. What a tease you are. I know. Are we getting close to the end mark? Yeah. Yeah. Minutes. What are you doing this week? So we talked about travel. Let's talk about, I thought we, I said that we were going to talk about gender on this one. This week uh, I'm doing a, a corporate we'll gig at a... Another time? You're doing a corporate gig. I'm doing a corporate gig at a golf resort. Hell yeah. So, um, I feel a lot of ways about that. I'm excited for the opportunity. I'm glad I get to work. Uh, do I think I'm going to connect with them in some like magical way? I should make anybody laugh. Probably. I'm probably going to kill and... No, it's a different experience. <laughs> the, the one thing that's a downer about it is it's a two-day trip and I only get to do one set. So less comedy this weekend than well, I normally would. But more money. Maybe there's other sets you could do around there. No. Where, where is... Oh. It's, it's kind of isolated. It's on an island. The address oh, is on an island. So And I don't have a rental car. So I'm just going to be bumming around a really, really nice resort drinking... What are you drinking? You don't even... You don't even mojitos. Drink. You're right. No, drinking smoothies. I'll probably just... Yeah. And using a really nice gym. Coffee. That's my week. Yeah. Oh, that actually sounds kind of fun. Yeah, that's my week. I'll be here. Being away from my my, my lousy girlfriend. Oh, my God. I'll be here. Um, I'll probably go to... I'll definitely go to Mike's this week. Um, You feel like you're doing enough Mike's? Never. I've been... So I did all those Mike's in San Francisco, and then on Sunday woke up with no voice. Like, for real, one of those... Cannot, I could not have done. I don't, have you ever done a mic or a show with a very, very, very little hoarse voice? Yeah, I had my voice almost give out on me on stage. I can't remember when that was, though. It's a, it's a terrible feeling. Uh, you're afraid. You, I remember one time I was afraid I would go into a coughing fit and I had to ask for water on stage. But I still think whenever you're performing, there's an adrenaline. Because I've gone up with food poisoning, I've gone up sick, yeah. and I've, I've never sneezed on stage. Really? How many hundreds of hours have I spent on stage and I've never sneezed on stage? I think adrenaline shuts down like things like coughing fits or diarrhea or throwing up, oh at least for the well, duration. Well, for me, it was like I literally couldn't make words that well, which sucked because then I went to this conference for the full week and was very quiet. I will say all of the sick sets I've had, uh, like food poisoning and, and sore throat, they tend to go well. Really? The energy. It, the energy. I didn't want to say that because I knew you were like, should I go out? And I was like, no, you're tired. And I didn't want to make you feel bad. I'm tired. <laughs> no, you're sick or whatever. But uh, there was one set I did in Austin where I was I was forced to go up. Uh, not for, I, I went to hang out and I was I was like, I'm sorry. I'm I have like the worst food poisoning. I I, I barely got any sleep. I stayed at a hostel in Baltimore the night before. And uh, had 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 food poisoning all day, and I was like, I, I can't make it through this set. They're like, please stick around, just please go up at the end. And it was a set where this was a pivotal set for me because I went on stage and I was doing some early incarnation uh, of the um, incarnation. Sure, um, I know what you mean. Uh, of my Pokemon sculptures joke. Uh. And in the middle of my set, like I had finished the joke, and a few jokes later, and I was I was talking in the middle of a setup, and the crowd started laughing hysterically. I was like, "What's so funny?" And I realized they were all looking behind me, and the tech guy on the show had shot a picture of my sculptures that he found online on the projector screen behind me. And then I just talked through all of them, and that's how I still close out my college shows. Wow. So. 
So you should go up I, sick. Had I gone up, I would have a college, a college show, closer. show closer. Damn it. All right, well, I'll get sick again then. Uh, but as a result, I wasn't, and then I was in white collar prison for a couple days. So I'm hoping to do a lot of comedy this you week. You have to explain now that. that. I am back. White collar prison um, is what I call these annual company summits where we just go through a lot of training and stuff. Work, because I'm a real person. Any trips coming up where you get to do comedy elsewhere? No. Actually, I am in New York for a couple of weeks. Ugh. Where do I go next? Miami? and You're going to do sets in Miami in March? Oh, I'm going to Connecticut, I guess. That doesn't really count. I'm coming back same day. Um, I might. I don't know. Okay. We'll, we'll definitely speak before then. Um, but thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. If you like us, you can check us out on our podcast called She Does Stand Up Too. This, this podcast. This podcast. We're we're stumbling to get to find an ending still. If we still don't have a, how we should end this. Please tell us. Yeah. All right. Someone's gonna like leave some like pithy of like, how about just quit? Oh. Actually, we all know if we're getting any hate mail. We haven't we haven't even released these episodes yet. So I, I'll have, I'm happy with hate hate mail. All, any mail. Yeah. Mail. I like mail. Snail mail. Send Snail. us a letter. Send me a letter. And put baking soda in there so we get freaked out. That is a joke about baking soda. All right, we're going to go now. Goodbye. We're going to cut that earlier then.